one of you uh, going to have you go ahead and find your seat. The fellowship's good. And Janet, I'm going to ask you real quick just to come over here. We're going to kick off before the, the message I want to introduce Janet Buxton to you. Uh, Janet is the wife of a former pastor who passed away in January. They would have celebrated 50 years. And uh, she has been coming here over the last year, maybe a little longer. And she wants to be a member of this church. She feels God has led her here. But she, she was sharing some things about the church and you that I thought if uh, you would spare the time, I wanted her to share briefly because it's very encouraging and uplifting. Janet will save herself. I'm a jump-in type person. Even though I can't swim, I'm a jump-in type person. But uh, I just would like you to share the response that you feel you've had to the welcomeness of this church family. Amen. Ever since uh, we was visiting here, my husband and I, uh, we just felt the warmth, the love, the great spirit of the Lord here. And it's just so welcome to walk in a building and you feel all of this love. And ever since then, you know, people would ask me, where do you go to church? Where do you fellowship? And I say, oh, uh, on Kalamazoo, KCC. And they say, oh, yeah, that church, yeah. So are you a member there? I said, no. But, you know, in my spirit, I always felt that I belong. And I'm here to say today, I truly feel in my heart, this is where I should be. Amen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, make sure you say hello to Janet Buxton today. God bless and welcome to the church family. Oh, God is good. Well, we're transitioning from our Simply Thankful Sermon series to our new series today entitled Blessed. In the Simply Thankful Sermon series, we said over a three-month period that we want to have the right attitude towards God. That we want our attitude to be grateful in the midst of good times or struggles because that's life. But the challenge is that so often we don't have a good attitude towards God and towards our lives because we have missed the focus on God and put it on the world. But when you start to really look around and see the hand of God in your life, you begin to realize there are so many areas in your life where God is blessing and touching you to be simply thankful. In this series, Blessed, it has a lot to do about the attitude as well. But the attitude in this eight-week series that we'll look at has more to do with The judgment that you make about yourself and God. The attitude about the judgment that you make about yourself and God. It really has to do with a word that we call esteemed. 
In the Bible, you'll see this word esteemed. And and many will look at it and see self-esteem, whether that's low self-esteem or high self-esteem. But there is a way the world sees esteem, and there is a way the Bible, God, tells us about esteem. In Isaiah 53, Isaiah the prophet opens up talking about Jesus Christ and says he comes into the world, but mankind did not esteem him. The word esteem in Scripture is literally to make a judgment, to make a judgment about God, to make a judgment about Jesus, to make a judgment about others, to make a judgment about yourself, and it's always in relationship to God. And so this morning, as we open up with the very first beatitude, And the word beatitude is not in the Bible, but the word beatitude means the joys of heaven or most often the declaration of blessedness. So we continue, I guess, in the greater sense with this theme of not so much now the attitude of gratitude, which we always want to have, but the correct attitude that you hold of yourself. I want to talk today about what self-esteem isn't and what it is. Low self-esteem is usually the quality of a person thinking they're unlovable. Low self-esteem is defined by the world is one that is really critical of themselves. Low self-esteem is to be like judgmental of yourself. I'm no good. I'm going nowhere. I have nothing to give. I have nothing to offer. That's low self-esteem as defined by the world. And high self-esteem is just the opposite. I've got these talents. I have these abilities. I am confident in myself. I can do anything in my strength and power. That's the way the world describes and defines low self-esteem and high self-esteem. But neither of those are what God wants for you when he talks about esteem. Because those are wrong judgments. God doesn't want you feeling like you're unlovable. God doesn't want you in a sad sack. He doesn't want you to be, you know, downcast and miserable. That's not what he's looking for. And at the same time, God doesn't want you to be arrogant and prideful and to believe in your heart that you are all of that and you can do anything and look at what I've accomplished and look what I have and look where I'm going and look what I've done. God doesn't want that. 
Remember this verse, James chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to paraphrase it. Because it is the heart of what I've just said. James writes, The believer or the brother in humble circumstances or the brother that's poor in this world should take pride in their high position. And the brother or sister who is rich in this world should take pride in their low position. Two outlooks in this world. One, poverty. Other, wealth. Poverty. Take pride in the high position. Wealth. Take pride in the low position. What does all of that mean for us? What it means is that God Almighty, through the person of Jesus Christ, in the spiritual realm, has taken the person that's poor in this world and has exalted and lifted them up in the spiritual arena of life in the person of Jesus Christ. Take pride in the position spiritually that you have been elevated to in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? But if you're rich and you have more than everyone else, God has done something unique in your life. He's brought you to a low position. Well, what does that mean? It means that God has humbled you. Humbled you to where now you don't trust in your wealth. You don't trust in anything in this world. But He's humbled you to where you see what He's done for you spiritually in Christ. And He's brought you to a place in your life where you are grateful for the position that He's given you that the things of this world, as He says in that text, are going to pass away. So the esteem, the judgment that we make is the judgment to take pride in what God has done for us, no matter what our background is and no matter where we come from. And Scripture makes it pretty clear that it seems to be much easier for the brother or sister coming from the poverty of this world to rely and trust in God more easily because they are somewhat more desperate. I personally think that in our lives, if we're not careful and we have an overabundance, it's easy to lose that on my knees. Oh, Lord God, get me through the day. Sustain me by the power of your name. I need you to get through this week. But if we have everything that we want, it's a lot easier to neglect God. But the verse brings it together and says that both have a spiritual status in relationship to God. One exalted, the other humbled, but both equal footing at the cross for what God has done in their lives. Amen? Do you... 
take pride in the position you are in? Is it something that you take pride in? I take pride that I'm poor in this world because look what God has done for me. I take pride that I'm rich in this world because God has humbled me and shown me the reality of true circumstances. It's a judgment. Esteemed is a way of thinking. And if we do not see ourselves in relationship to God right, we can never be humble. We can never have true humility. See, what God is going for in this world for those that have less self-esteem, He's not trying to give you more self-esteem. That's not the answer. The answer isn't for God to falsely build you up. The last slide in this text that we'll look at in Isaiah, I want you to remember this. But uh, it just uh, really struck me in getting ready for this message that, you know, Isaiah is called a worm by God. You worm, O Jacob. God doesn't say, oh no, Jacob, you're not a worm. You're a beautiful butterfly. No, Jacob, you're a worm. I want you to think about that because we'll conclude with what that actually means. But here's what Jesus says in our first beatitude. The first joys of heaven. The first declaration of blessedness for his people. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went on a mountainside and he sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those that are in poverty of spirit is an equally good translation. Well, what does it mean? Does it just mean I'm supposed to be humble? I'm supposed to show humility in life? Because if you look closely, this word blessed is a word that can mean happy. But happy doesn't quite capture the spiritual significance of the word. It can mean favor. And that definitely begins to give a better picture, but happy, favor. But Jesus is saying, blessed is the individual who has this kind of spirit, and the result of that is theirs, is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It's theirs if they have this kind of spirit. Well, first, the word blessed actually means that you are in such closeness and relationship to the God that you love, that you are seeking humbly to obey, that He has His hand and arm around you. How many of you remember standing beside your dad and putting his arm around you? Maybe even giving you a hug. 
such a peaceful, secure, happy, and blessed experience. And that is exactly what Jesus has seen to believers. There is a blessing in having poverty of spirit, which we're going to look at against some great men of Scripture, and let them define what this is so that we can look at our lives, seek it, pursue it, embrace it, pray for it. But there is a blessing of God's hand of favor upon those individuals who are poor of spirit. We all hopefully desire God's hand of favor. We all hopefully desire to have His blessing. We don't have just to, just to, you know, Lord, I want it. There are some steps that we can take in our lives that Jesus says, if this is who you are, my blessing will be upon you. Psalm 121 says that the blessing of God goes in front of His people and behind His people. It's upon His people. I want that kind of presence of God in my life in this world that we live in. The blessing of God is He clears the way for you and turns bad into good in the spiritual arena of your life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, prayers is the kingdom of God. So men of God who were poor in spirit. So today, it's not an exegetical sermon where we pick six or eight verses and we read out of that what it meant to the early church. Today's a topical sermon where we have a verse like Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of God is theirs. And we build what it means by looking at other texts. And I I want to show you first Abraham. Abraham, in dealing with God about Sodom and Gomorrah. If you remember that story, God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because it is absolutely evil. And God has come down and he's seen how evil it is and how withdrawn they are from God And he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham begins to talk to him and said, Well, if there's there's 50 righteous people, will you spare? Surely you won't sweep away the righteous with with the unrighteous, will you? And, And we have that conversation in Genesis chapter 18. But what I want you to see is the heart of Abraham, because I think it does reflect the poor or poverty of spirit that we should have. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold to speak to the Lord, he realizes that he's being very bold coming before God and saying what he is saying. There is a sense of knowing his place in the world in relationship to God. Then he adds, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. You and I, like Abraham, are nothing but dust and ashes. But on this side of the cross, because of our relationship and redemption by Jesus Christ, 
we know who we are and we're happy and we declare it. We're washed in the blood of the Lamb. And we are elevated into the spiritual realm. We are clothed with the white robe. We are as white and as innocent as lambs because of Jesus Christ. But Abraham, I'm bold in talking to you. It's not like you and I can approach the throne of grace and pray with confidence because we're being received through the mediator, Jesus Christ. Abraham, I'm bold in talking to you. I know that I'm nothing but dust and ashes. There we see a spirit of humility and a recognition of who Abraham is before God by his own words. Do you see yourself as dust and ashes here today and gone tomorrow, a vapor, a mist, a temporary life here in this world because that's what Abraham saw in his own life. And there was this poverty of spirit. Next, Jacob. Jacob has left the land of Canaan. He returns 20 years later after being in exile. He's cheated his brother Esau out of his birthright. And he's returning home. And Esau is angry. And he's being chased by his father-in-law, Laban, because he's taken his wives, Rachel and Leah, and just left because Laban has changed his heart towards Jacob. And God has told him, leave and go back to the promised land, Canaan. I'll be with you. I'll take care of you. And this is Jacob's response to God. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. I had nothing when I entered a foreign land. And now that I'm returning home, I have a large family, large stock of animals, blessed in many ways, and it's all by your hand, but I feel like I'm unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you've shown to me. Sometimes our attitude is, God, you should do this for me. I expect it, Lord. We don't have that poverty of spirit that looks at what God has done in our lives and simply say, I am unworthy in relationship to you for all the kind acts in my life. I know they come from you. I acknowledge they come from you. I am unworthy. People don't think like that. People don't talk like that today. I worked for what I got. I worked hard for what I got. I pushed. Not Jacob. We're beginning to see through Abraham and Jacob a glimpse of what it means to be poor in spirit. 
And we'll sum up those five insights at the end. Look at this one. This is Moses, the the lawgiver. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Here God is calling Moses to go back into Egypt because he is going to be the hand, the arm of God to deliver God's people. And Moses, knowing what God is asking him to do, says, you've got the wrong guy. It's not me. I can't do it. I do not have the ability. I don't have the intelligence. I don't have the smarts. And throughout the message, God says, I'll be with you. And I'll give you the words. And so you see in the life of Moses, this great man of God that God used in powerful ways. I'm not able. I'm not good enough. And God here also isn't saying, oh, yes, you are. You're good enough. You just don't know it yet. You don't believe in yourself. You you can do it. God is not saying that. God is saying, I will be with you. I will give you the words. You see, Moses had to stop looking at himself and his abilities and look to God. And that's a part of this being poor in spirit. Not looking at the gifts that we have like, hey, I'm all that. And looking at the gifts that we don't have, like, I can't do anything. Yes, you can. If God calls you to it, God will open the door and bless you in whatever areas of your life to do what He's asking you to do. But He's wanting you to not look at the world or not look at yourself, but look to Him. That is to be poor in spirit. David. Listen to David. Psalm 51, 17. My sacrifice to you, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. David, the great king who made so many mistakes, murder, adultery, and who else knows all the other mistakes that we don't know in Scripture, but Broken in many ways, a failure in most ways, but he came to a point in his life where his spirit was broken before the Lord because he had failed the Lord again and again, and God had to show him, you failed me. But God lifted David back up, and we see this poverty of spirit that says, my sacrifice, what I... No, I can give to you is a broken and contrite spirit. I mourn over my sin. You see, I often hear the world and non-believers make the charge against the church, Christianity, It's a crutch. 
Christianity is a crutch. And we try to defend that. No, it's not. Or I want you to listen to me very carefully. When the world says that Christianity is a crutch for the weak, amen. Is there something wrong with that? Is there something I've read wrong in the Bible? Christianity probably is more of a wheelchair than a crutch. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge God and He will make your path straight. Lean on God. Will you lean on a crutch? What's wrong with a crutch? I gladly embrace that Christianity is my crutch through the person of Jesus Christ because I, like you, and the rest of the world are weak and broken, incomplete, having nothing to offer to God, knowing who I am, I'm a worm. Jacob, you're not the only worm in the Bible. We're all worms. And that's the blessing of being Christ because He lifts us out of that state and says, you're my son, you're my daughter. I noticed about four or five weeks ago when the rains started coming, how in the morning, all these earthworms were all over my driveway. Everybody see that at your own house? I mean, big earthworms, big fat earthworms. Just, And I'm, I'm a... Sitting there and just, I don't know, Dee said it's crazy, but I was just like watching these earthworms. They just like, man, if, if I had, could sell these to go people wanting to fish, you know, I need to pick them up. But you watch these earthworms, and they're on the blacktop, and they're crawling in every different direction, and the sun's starting to come up, and I'm like, I don't think you're going to make it because you're going the wrong direction, and... Uh, so are you, and you might make it to that crack, but I don't see how you're going to get down into it. And there was a few that was headed towards the grass. It just hit me. None of them know what they're doing or what direction they're going. And the sid come up and later came out, and there's just dried up, dead earthworms all over the place. We're sort of like that. Before God comes into our lives, it's just all by chance, maybe by luck. We don't know where we're doing. We don't know where we're going. We need His help to sustain our lives. We're worms. Someone says, don't call me a worm. You're a worm. Where's my safety team? In relationship to God, we're worms. But now, because of relationship to Jesus Christ, we are the exalted family of God. The unique sons and daughters of God Almighty. But if you don't have the right perspective of who you are without God, you're going to have the wrong perspective of who you are with Him. You've got to know who you are without God. That's what Paul said. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I don't deserve anything that God gave me, 1 Corinthians 15. But by God's grace, it's all about the goodness and the grace of God in our lives that make us anything. Isn't that what Peter said? 
upon the miraculous catch of fish and the boat started sinking, the net started tearing and he could not believe that Jesus just told him to cast out the net and there was this miraculous catch of fish. And what's Peter's words? Away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He recognized who he was in relationship to God. Paul and Peter, that is what it means for us to be poor in spirit. Next, Solomon. And now, O Lord my God, you have made me your servant in place of David my father, although I am but a little child and I do not know how to go out or come in. He says, I'm overwhelmed. You've given me this status of kingship under David, my father, who was a great king. And I'm just a child in my mind. I don't have the abilities. I don't think I can do it. I don't know which direction to go, Lord. Lord, I'll guide you. I'll be with you. That's poverty of spirit. Not, I'm just no good. I'm unlovable. I've got nothing to offer. That's for the world. This is poor of spirit. And this is what God wants us to choose. It's the judge that he wants us to make of who he is and who we are. And then the blessing of who we are becomes so sacred, so valuable, so important, so precious. I've got to give you just a couple more. Job, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Job's been arguing with God. You've done me wrong. Look what's happened. Look who I was. Look what I was doing for you. You Look what you said about me. There's no one like Job. Therefore, now that I've seen you and I've heard you argue and you've reasoned, therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Just throw some dust on top of my head. Get some ashes out of the fireplace. I've got to repent. I despise who I am because I now see. I've heard your voice. I've seen you. And that's changed everything for Job. Isaiah's vision in the temple. Woe to me, Isaiah cries. I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Do you see it? My eyes have seen the King, just like Job. And I realize, like Peter, I'm unworthy. Away from me, God, I'm a sinful man. My lips are unclean. The things I say are unclean. They're unholy. I in no way honor you with who I am. That is to be poor in spirit. So let's go through the essence of those seven men of God. Number one, what is poverty of spirit? It's a sense of powerlessness in ourselves. 
We don't have the strengths. We don't have the ability. We are powerless. We can't save ourselves. We can't do things right. We can't make things right. If you want to be poor in spirit, it is a sense of powerlessness in yourself which avails ourselves to God. Number two, it's a sense of spiritual bankruptcy before God. I am a sinner. I'm the worst of sinners. There's no way that I can use my life as currency before you, Lord. I'm broke. I'm empty. I'm bankrupt. Is that the way you feel about yourself? Because that's poverty of spirit. Number three, it's a sense of moral uncleanness before God. I shouldn't have talked like that. I shouldn't let my eyes see that. I shouldn't have participated in that. Lord, morally, I just don't live up to the standard, not even close. My lips are sinful, Lord. Number four, it is a sense of personal unworthiness before God. You are God Almighty, creator of the universe. I have no right to even utter your name because of who and what I am. But thanks be to Jesus Christ, we can go continually to the Father, but it's that attitude, that judgment that we make that it is only by Jesus Christ that we can have any kind of worthiness before God. And number five, it is a sense that if there is to be any life or joy or usefulness in my life, it will have to be all of God and all by His grace. God, if I'm going to be successful, it's going to be because you're doing it in me. And I believe that you're going to do it in me. I have the poverty of spirit when I'm poor in spirit, when there's true humility like the humility of Christ. Whenever I understand it's all about you and your strength, and that's what I am relying on. And I look to you because you said that you are with me. I don't try to manipulate you. I don't try to strong arm you. I don't try any of those things. I simply surrender to Christ and know that I have nothing in my hands to bring as the song goes and let God exalt and lift me, you, His church up. Isaiah 41, as we close. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand, and who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Do not be afraid, you worm Jacob. There it is. That's what God says to Jacob. Do not be afraid, you weak little creature. Do not be afraid, little Israel. Do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel.
the reason that Christianity is not a crutch or the reason that Christianity is a crutch is because we know who we are. And like the people that Jesus was healing, the broken, the suffering, the ones that had paralysis and all kinds of disease were flooding to him as he was on that Sermon on the Mount, they knew who they were and they came to him and lifted him up and he was the focus of their lives. And so this morning, I believe Scripture teaches there is nothing more important than any of us can do than have an attitude of who we are in relationship to Jesus Christ. And once we get that right and know that we're completely dependent on Him for all things, then in the words of the Apostle Paul, when I realized I was weak, then I became strong because my strength was in Jesus Christ and His grace was sufficient. Are you a person that is poor in spirit? Or have you got your eyes so focused on this world that you're only consumed with what you have or what you don't have. It is God's will that you esteem His Son, Him, and the Holy Spirit. It's your choice. Take pride in the circumstance of your life and look to God. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we want to embrace this blessing of being poor in spirit because we love your kingdom and we want to know it and understand it and one day in a greater way when we're with you on the other side of this life to enjoy all the joys of heaven. Wherever we are in our hearts, Lord, we just pray that we can move closer to being people who have a spirit that is poor as we trust in you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for Jesus who gives us this teaching. We ask your blessing on this church family. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us stand together. We have prayer teams that are around the building. If you need help in any area of your life, especially the attitude that we have about the Lord, partner with a prayer team member and they can help guide you in to looking to the Lord for everything in your life. Let us sing together.